Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Safe Room's first episode of 2024. For returning listeners, welcome back. We missed you all dearly. And for those perhaps joining us for the first time, Safe Room is a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I am the other one, Neil Bolt. And what better way to ring in the new year than by chatting about some of our most anticipated games we hope will be released in 2024. But first... A very happy new year to you, Neil. I hope your holiday was as festive as it was relaxing. Happy new year to you as well. Um, relaxing is never true when you have children <laughs> at Christmas. So I, um, it's literally more work than work at that point, I think. I, I felt so tired after Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Because uh, the way we do it in our family is like you know, one day at our house, one day at my mum's or someone of a family member to do that family Christmas. So two Christmases, basically, one after the other, draining. <laughs> it was far nicer doing it at my brother's house, though, because it was like, didn't have to do much. And it was just like, yep, just, I, I like this way. But <laughs> I have to do it the other way around. Or, no. um, other than that, yeah, got to go out and see my sports team lose. Um, and, uh, yeah, generally, um was all right. Yeah, goes at a minus one, saw it at the end of the year as well, mm. which is, Great. So I, I can't complain. Uh, it It's all gone then. Uh, we're in January and yep. taking the decorations down today. And it's just, you know, it's over. But then I did get this um little, uh, one of those fake fish tanks with little fake jellyfish in. It's like got neon lights and stuff, mm. you know, which I, I've wanted like for two years. So I've, I got that for Christmas. <laughs> I've, as soon as the lights were down, I was like, yep, that's set up. Uh, and I've had fun just watching that, which is, such a boring thing to be having fun with but that's, <laughs> we are what we are <laughs> so long as it's important to you and you enjoy it that's all that matters right that is indeed the ethos for everything i think that's uh without a doubt but hey we're, we're here to talk about games not jellyfish unless there are jellyfish in the games that we are talking about which is possible it's certainly a possibility um but as is tradition here on safe room i'm going to let you decide which game we're going to chat about first 
Ooh, so I'm going to go with Pacific Drive by ah. Ironwood Studios, which I think for all the games we've got is the first one uh, that's out officially in the world on the 22nd of February, actually. I believe it's PC and PlayStation 5 only, mm. if I remember rightly. I think it's an exclusive on consoles for them. Um, now, the interesting thing about this game is it's a driving game. And don't really much care for driving games generally. But it's a horror driving game. Um, and not like Twisted Metal. You know, it's like <laughs> you are basically having to go on a survival mission across this thing that's called the Olympic Exclusion Zone in a car that is modified slightly to deal with the strange supernatural goings on as you go in there. You go in there to scavenge resources, um, load up the station wagon you've got, uh, and um, you've basically got, as they put it, drive like hell to get out <laughs> again. Um, so yeah, basically it's like, again, any game like uh, Tarkov or Hunt Showdown, you know, where you go in, get all the supplies, get the fuck out again, like that, except it's single player and very much uh, story focused. And there's still a lot of mystery about what's you know, going on in there, apart from the fact that it's all weird shit. And you know, we know that you can customise the car in so many varied and different ways. And they've hinted at, you know, that the, obviously the deeper you go in, the, the freakier things get and the harder it is to get back out. But obviously the more lucrative uh, loot will be in the middle of that area. So yeah, with a sort of story being like at the forefront of it, that really intrigued me because... I really like you know, the whole extraction, the infiltration extraction thing um, as a gameplay thing. You know, Metal Gear Solid Five is like the perfect example of it, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in single-player terms especially. But here, you know, in a car, and just like having to escape using the car like that, I was really impressed with that as an idea. And everything I've seen about it so far has really given me some very interesting vibes you know, like that. I mean it's survival horror but you're in a car which mm. in itself is like oh yeah I, I, I dig that and, and yeah if it really has something deeper with this mystery that's going on inside and the things you've got to discover in it wow yeah it could be something quite special out the gate this year yeah you know it's a very intriguing blending of the driving mechanics and then you know, the um, exploration aspect on foot and then uncovering that mystery. And, you know, who's to say when you're on foot if the survival horror aspect doesn't carry over, right? It looks like yeah. you have uh, some equipment or hardware that's used to fix your vehicle. Who's to say you won't have to use those things potentially to defend yourself or even to access some type of like environmental puzzle in the course of your investigating whatever area or zone you're in. Um, and I think that while it is very intriguing, it's going to come down to the type of thing where it's like, if you're making a driving game, first and foremost, you need to make the driving handling uh, not only, I think, above par, but it needs to be spectacular, right? Yeah, especially if you've got chasing and things like yeah. that and having to escape stuff in the car. It's, uh, especially with everything that they're saying they're going to throw at you, you know, with these anomalies that mm -hmm. will just fuck the road up and all sorts of things like that. I mean, one of the first big vibes you've got to say looking at it, well, not you know, exactly the same as Annihilation, isn't it? That oh, of, yeah, yeah. The deeper you go, the more fucked up it is, but mm. obviously, you know, it's more um, video gamey way, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I like that as an idea that you just go into this place that was once a research site and has just got messed up by whatever was inside it and sort of uncovering the mystery like that. Yeah, bit of a 
breath of fresh air, I think, in that regard, that you can just do that in a car. Sounds bloody simple, but there you go. Sometimes that's the best way to get fresh with these ideas. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of games last year that maybe could be described as simple, but then ended up being games that we would spend tens of hours with. Mm. And it was because of the fact that those developers really reveled in the simplicity of what their game is or the simplicity of that pitch. But then it's all the little touches and how they have the gameplay mechanics blended with the story or just at the end of the day, their interpretation of horror, right? Primarily, I'm thinking about something like Dredge. It's a game where you go fishing and then all of a sudden you get into that game and you realize just how much deeper that ocean is as a whole game, right? And just there's a lot more to it than that very simplistic premise. But, um, you know, in moving on to another game, that heavily deals with anomalies and investigating areas. Um, I'll, and I'll say it, you know, we're not necessarily listing these off as our uh, most anticipated or anything like that, but I'm going to be the one to, you know, bear that cross because <laughs> I want to talk about Stalker 2 Heart of Chernobyl from GSC Game World. Um, you know, for people that don't know, the Stalker series is based around stalkers, which are basically mercenaries that go into the zone, which is the area where, you know, the Chernobyl incident happened. And in this alternative history, fictitious history, um, the massive radiation in that area basically has created not only mutants that roam that area, but also, you know, anomalies. Um, but there's also these artifacts, these alien artifacts and whatnot that, you know, it's, I'm sure it will be similar to the game we just chatted about in that the further you go into a given zone, the more dangerous it is, the greater the rewards there are. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Stalker 2 is a game that I suppose I should back up even more. Stalker Shadow Chernobyl is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Really enjoyed uh, Call of Pripyat as well. Um, and then, you know, we've had a number of delays with this game. Some of them were due to, you know, hackers and whatnot. The other part was, unfortunately, uh, GSC Game World had to relocate to Poland due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And whatnot. So, you know, the delay between the last stalker and this stalker is can't be blamed, uh, can't be blaming GSC Game World for. But I will say, you know, what we've seen of this game um, really looks promising, um, not only from a production value, right? Of course, it's from what we've seen as retained the atmosphere, the open world, and the sort of just the engrossing nature of the zone itself and how it is such a hostile place, even if you don't always have mutants, you know, tearing at your ankles or tearing at your throats. Um, And, you know, Stalker has been a series that I've always loved because of the fact that it gives the player freedom to explore that world. But I always felt like no matter whether it was a side quest, what were usually fetch quests uh, or some of the main story missions or faction missions, that world just, I don't know, it's the type of thing that there are so many different oddities to it, whether it be the mutant side of things or seeing the factions that crop up in that world. There were all these little nuances to the storytelling um, that always made it seem like it was a much more involved place than I suppose I typically feel with a lot of open world games. I get kind of worn out with open world games mostly because the world itself is not that interesting. And with Stalker, I always found like they went out of their way to create little bits of lore about how this world operates. And even if it was a stupid fetch quest at the end of the day, I was doing to get like a handful of bullets and uh, some ruples. It was the thing where I was still learning something about what happened previous to the anomalies showing up or learning how they evolved over all these years and whatnot. Um, I will say, while this is like my most anticipated game, I am slightly worried that 
GSC game world maybe has been looking a little too carefully at some of the success that the Metro series has had in the interim. And while I don't think it would be a bad thing to be influenced by other games, obviously it's been, I think now almost 10 years since the last stalker game, I would be worried if stalker loses some of its identity because it tries to be a little too close to what Metro would become, which is a little more linear. And I think that Mm. what we've seen so far with stalker two and some of the promotional stuff, has been a greater emphasis on a narrative, which is not a bad thing, but I'm just worried that maybe we'll get funneled into more linearity in Stalker 2, which would kind of go against a little bit of what I think allowed that game to have such a singular identity Mm. uh, and whatnot, and what I think made Stalker so special. But that part is just speculation on my half. But I'm curious, how do you feel about Stalker and, you know, inevitably Heart of Chernobyl? Yeah, and to go on your point there about the Metro series, it kind of filled in a hole when mm-hmm. it was needed, you know, where there was no Stalker games. And Absolutely. You know, it naturally, you know, it wasn't copying necessarily. It, you know, it came from an, an author who wrote you know, fantastic books that had all this sort of, you know, stories of what came before and all these politics and different factions and groups. And it was all there baked in for it to just jump in and do it the same sort of thing so you know it wouldn't be the worst thing if, if um stalker 2 was to take in some of that but yeah i agree that it would be dangerous to go too far down the metro route especially as metro itself started branching out further and if another one of those comes out and it does something good that stalker 2 doesn't it's more trouble which wouldn't be the fault of the developers you know it's that whole Callisto protocol dead space thing again yeah. you know it's like um <laughs> You think it's going to go one way and then so somehow it ends up the other. But the main thing is they get to release it and it hasn't, you know, it's not been smashed to bits by everything that's gone on. It's a, a win you know, in itself. I think um, it's one of these rare occasions where you can look at a game and go, I don't think it matters too much unless you know it's like reprehensibly broken. And even then you could kind of understand, but I don't think it will be. Um, you know, the fact they've got it out after everything that happened, you know, it, it would just be remarkable uh, and such an achievement. And maybe they do end up having to sort of making, taking some shortcuts, um, cutting some stuff back, and maybe coming back to it at a later date just to, you know, get it out there. And that might make it a little underwhelming at first, but we live in an era where, you know, you can go into a game and make it bigger, make it better years after. And, it, in most most cases, that's just or to drive engagement and keep people invested in the same game. Here, it would be very obvious that it was just because they had to, and it was the best course of action. And you know, we saw this with um, uh, another Ukrainian developer in Frogwares, you know, where they they strived to get a game out during all that, everything that was going on there, and you know, having this whole situation with their former publisher, you know, basically stealing their game off them for so mm-hmm. long. You know, it's horrid situation and to make anything and all that it's just mind-blowing and i'm looking forward to it on two levels you know the fact that is if it's anything like stalker was then people are gonna just flip and i think ironically the thing that might help it a lot is like the fallout tv series like making that sort Mm. of thing bigger and better and more like widely appealing that might actually open up more gamers to the idea of it weirdly i mean that stuff happens sometimes and you know 
everything is just that it's the, on a sort of personal you know human to human level you you kind of want it to succeed oh yeah because because of everything it's had to go through mm. you know not every studio gets to have that luck and um to be able to actually come through the other side of terrible things of all different shapes and sizes so yeah I, i'm glad they're still existing i'm glad they're still able to make the game and make it in peace effectively and i hope we get to see the results this year and that they um turn out to be somewhat good in that regard yeah as of recording it's still slated for quarter one release this year i have a feeling it'll probably get pushed again but if we get it in t- by the end of 2024, I will be a very, very happy uh, stalker indeed, which yeah. <laughs> people don't know what stalker is. That sounds awful, and that hopefully doesn't become a soundbite. <laughs> uh, but what game would you like to uh, chat about next? Um, so we, we had some crossover with our stuff, so I, I will keep away from that for now. And I'll go with uh, Elation for the Wonderbox 6000, which makes me sound like a very wanky sort of bastard <laughs> now. Like, everyone's like, what? <laughs> well, I just referred to myself as a happy stalker. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're both batting over 500. So yeah, this is because it's by Digital digital Tchaikovsky's. I was hoping he said it right again. And, you know, if anyone knows from listening to the show in the past, um, they made uh, Go Fly a Kite, which was my favorite uh, horror bite of the year in, uh, in 2022 and so this is like the next project and you know it's a bigger project it's not on it it's on steam mm-hmm. you know it's like you know there's a steam page and all this other stuff but still keeping that sort of weird surreal claymation vibe from that game um this time yeah first person adventure about going to the city and you're apparently finding a game from when you were younger that no one else remembers. Like that, that's an interesting pitch in itself, but just the look of it from every sort of screen I've seen of it, just like, oh man, it's like everything that we, like, you know, saw in that, in Go Fly Kite, but like in a bigger experience, and the claymation stuff looks really good, you know, like in that sort of low rent way that it's doing it. Oh, yeah, I just straight away just looking at it and going, it's a bigger proper. You know, I, I feel snide saying proper because you know, I said that you know, the, the big thing about Go Fly Kite was it's 15 minutes long and it pisses on the chips of pretty much all these big games of that year for me. And you know, here's like the next step. And it's just like, I love that it's still going there. You know, I love that it's still going into this. You know, and you know, the more I've seen the developer, you know, in social media spaces and what they like and don't like and things they do, it's like you, you get a proper sense of personality that's just so different and so refreshing in terms of what they're making. And I just, I just, everything I read about this is like, I really do wonder how damn good it's going to be. Like I'm quite excited in that regard. This is another one where it's like coming soon. So it may, it may not come out this year and being, you know, an indie de- developer, there might be a lot more to do because, you know, the, as he said, you know, there's um, literally thousands of frames of like real life claim animation, <laughs> which is not exactly the easiest and quickest um, form of animation you can do, uh, to say the least. But yeah, it's giving me like these sort of um, Shenmue vibes, mm-hmm. in, but in this weird sort of surreal, fucking messed up, you know, to quote what I said back in the day, 
you know, weird shit you find on t- TV at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, sort of thing. It's that, yeah, but now it's a bigger game. And, uh, now it's going to fit the same games of that era as the TV I'm referring to. And it's like, wow, yeah, that, that's perfect. And, you know, and I've no doubt it'll be quite smart as well in what it does, which, given every, you know, the sort of satire that was at the heart of uh, Go Fly a Kite. So, yeah. Even that, the idea of this, this, like, you're going to search for this game that no one else remembers, like, that I've been there. And just, oh, that's, like, that's lovely and relatable in a nice (laughs) niche way. No, I just from uh, browsing over the Steam page yet again, it's great to see somebody whose style very quickly has become synonymous with the creative themselves. But at the same time, like, what we've seen, it just looks like it's expanding on perhaps a slice of the world that was in uh, Go Fly a Kite, but done so in a way that still feels completely foreign while still being reminiscent of that initial style. Um, And, you know, if anything, it's exciting to see what, you know, we championed a couple of uh, horror bites that have gone on to become full-fledged products, something like um, Nightmare Zapping, right? Which not only got to see a Steam release after being on Itch.io, but then getting an additional content release in that final package. Now, with something like Elation for the Wonderbox 6000, it's great to see a creative that in a very short amount of time was receiving you know, a great deal of feedback about No Fly a Kite, not only from us, just in general, like yeah. talking about how well received it was, and then them diving right into a full-fledged product that doesn't seem as if it's compromising on that style. If anything, having more time, having a bigger project, it's really exciting to see how just how sort of like deep down this rabbit hole of weird 2 a.m. potentially drug and <laughs> drug fueled creativity <laughs> can go um, in terms of not only the writing, which again, talking about a game that's very strange, but it's still written in a way that is really compelling because it blends this unique sense of humor, but at the same time, it still has something to say and say genuinely, right? I think that was the shocking thing about No Fly a Kite and that some games that deal with surreal imagery or swimmy logic in terms of a narrative or characters. Sometimes those games just do that because it's like, how different can we be? And while this game looks to be unlike anything else we've played, we still know that this is a developer that has a intended purpose behind everything more than just, Hey, this looks weird. Because as you were saying about the stop motion, um, stop motion is nothing if not a labor of love. Um, And the fact that they're going to these great pains to retain that unique look while of course having a, you know, hopefully uh, as unique narrative to go along with it um, is something that makes this one that we hope to get it by the end of the year. But if we don't, it might even end up being a positive because it just means that this developer who we know will deliver uh, on their very sort of singular brand of uh, whether it be games or horror in general, um, you know, the more time, whatever they're working on is cooking, it's going to make a product that is uh, equally, if not more so weirder than uh, something like Go Fly Kite. Yeah, and you know, again, going back to that game, sure, it's not traditionally what you call horror um, in terms of like scares, whatever you want to call it, like that. But I just the general sense of unease and the surreal nature of it, like there's horror in its core, you know, and that's yeah, exactly why I picked it is because that you know, it's got it in spades already. Next one, the next one before our break is going to be another one that we didn't have on each other's list, so I'm going to stick with it, which was Sniper Killer from Black Eyed mm. Priest, a.k.a. Jordan King, and Henry Huar. Uh, I hope I got that last name right. Um, 
Sniper Killer was a game that we covered for Horror Bites last year because we got the demo through Steamfest. Mm. And so for people that don't know, that's continuing the world of Blood Wash, which was a game that we covered also on the show um, either last year or the year before that. This is the thing. Now all these years are starting yeah, to blend together in terms of coverage. <laughs> um, but, you know, that is this very sort of evoking the sleazy 70s uh, horror era. And in Sniper Killer, what is probably the most exciting aspect of this game was the fact that this is a game that you're playing from both sides of a murder investigation. So you're playing as this sniper killer that's being given these mysterious orders to go kill people in certain locations. And then you're also going to be playing as the detective um, that is investigating that killer and getting to play both sides of that seventies horror coin is a cool concept because I think that, you know, what black eyed priest has proven with their games, both blood wash and night at the gates of hell is that there's a great, sense of homage but at the same time there is this great breath of creativity and a refreshing sense of humor i think in all of these Mm. products right and it's the fact that you're able to create these worlds you have these very humorous interactions in them but those the humor in these games never really stifles out the horror aspect because when this game wants to balance that line between horror and comedy it balances it very well but at the same time as you know is evident i think from the finale of something like Bloodwash, this game and developers behind them have no qualms about dipping their entire foot into one pool or the other at times when it makes sense for, you know, the story that they're telling in a given game. Um, I think back to that demo for Sniper Killer, which was promising in which you're dropped into this larger environment and the player has this goal of, hey, you have to kill this person. But then they have the freedom with which to do that how they see fit. You know, you can either Hmm. ride a roller coaster and try to nail a sniper shot on a moving roller coaster, or you can go to this perch that's in another location. And I think that that's going to be something that's really exciting to see because of the amount of depth that they can craft in these environments in terms of player options, but also the fact that these larger environments will give the developers more time to really, you know, shine at what they do, which is creating these little vignettes almost with specific characters, whether they're recurring characters from past games that they've made, or if they're just new characters in general. Um, And that was something that Sniper Killer, the demo, um, already sort of had inklings of, because if you want to walk around this carnival and interact with various people, you get a sense of their personality, whether it's humorous or not. Um, And then at the same time, you get these interactions that become Uh, memorable before you have to go, you know, commit this atrocity and whatnot. And while we didn't get to see the detective side of things, that makes me just as more excited to see the final product, to see what that will entail. And I'm sure, you know, we'll get a glimpse of that probably throughout uh, the course of the year because, you know, Black Eyed Priest is um, pretty frequently on social media is posting little updates or little snippets about where development's at uh, for this upcoming game. Yeah, you know, it was... um replaying night gate to the hell on the steam deck actually which somehow and it was <laughs> just like great it was a great fit for it but just it just reminded me that you know every time uh with black eyed priest games it's just they, they get me in a way that i'm, I'm very thankful for and you know I just like even when he announced that future project it's very scuzzy 70s like cop style exploitation stuff and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, like that that Lucio Fulci idea of um, like cop dramas uh, that, that have been done, and um, yeah, so 
sniper killer in the meantime is like this middle ground you know it's um a, a sniper game like that again does just come and tap into a very particular vibe and a very uh, own sort of cinematic history and uh, it's clear you know this is someone with a good knowledge of films of a certain type and era and, and it really feeds through you know when you've got like a dedication to a certain kind of cinema you know like that from a, like that kind of era it, and you can add that in like this it, it just you know the quality of it shows in every single game you know night of the gates of hell is superb for that blood wash is superb for that uh you know even like the booty greek cheek freak <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it, it's like you know parody parody as it is in what it does it's fun and, and still kind of understands what it is brilliantly so yeah sniper killer is another one just like the demo was when we discussed it yeah it does everything i expected of it and uh I really do like the sort of back and forth of going to you know, the villain side and the you know, the detective side of you. All that's where it really sort of goes out with it, and you know, sniping as well. You yeah. know, and always a good time if you could do that right and uh, have you know, the kind of gore levels we've been used to <laughs> with the uh, previous games. So, yeah, I, I'm very much uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah, definitely a, a game that we're going to keep our scopes on for this year. And, you know, not this year, certainly next year. But uh, before we move on to our last four most anticipated games of 2024, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back from our break. And let's chat about a game that we had played the... Uh, prequel for last year, which was Alone in the Dark, um, which is a reboot. And as I mentioned, we played the uh, prequel, which was more like, I suppose I'd describe it as like flavor text, right? It was just to kind of put us into that world, give us some semblance of what the environment will be like. Um, and I suppose a brief sliver of what gameplay could entail, uh, devoid of combat. Um, but for Alone in the Dark, you know, by Peace Interactive, this is a game where you're going to be investigating this mansion that is in the bayou. And, you know, for me, that was the most interesting aspect, I think, of that uh, prologue that we played, which was called Alone in the Dark Grace, which has you playing as a little girl that's in the mansion prior to when the protagonists of the actual game uh, will arrive at. And, you know, I thought that that was an interesting way to kind of present the world of alone in the dark for people that have either never played it or haven't played it since i think the last one was in 2007 when they tried to reboot it again and that was met with uh not as 
glowing uh, praise, I suppose, as they would have anticipated, because otherwise we wouldn't have had to wait all this time for another reboot. Um, but what was really interesting, I thought, was the setting, right? And so it would be one thing if, okay, we're exploring another Spencer-esque mansion, right? But this time it's in the bayou. Well, it being in the bayou doesn't do anything if you're in this mansion the entire time. So when you actually play through that prologue, we saw the ways in which the surreal, haunting nature of Alone in the Dark blends the exterior environments with the interior, right? At one point, you're quite literally exploring this mansion and then the swamp comes in and basically overtakes the main staircase of a section that you're exploring. And so you're dodging alligators and you're climbing over all of these like taxidermied bears to get across these little moats and whatnot. And, you know, I thought that that was the most intriguing aspect of returning to the world of Alone in the Dark, the way in which, you know, it's not just that, oh, there's something going bump in the night, but the ways in which you can kind of play with the reality of the either mansion or just the setting in general. Uh, there's mm -hmm. even a brief section where, you know, Grace tries to open a door and she opens the door and it's a cornfield that leads out to like a house out in the, you know, the middle of nowhere. And so I'm really interested to see how they're going to be able to kind of make the interior of a mansion that initially might feel kind of familiar to any other survival horror mansion, but have that, you know, again, surreal sort of dreamlike logic to the way that it's actually constructed um, and whether or not the ways in which the player experiences the mansion itself is reliant on one of the two uh, playable characters in the final game that remains to be seen. But like, I thought that that was the most promising aspect um, of that yeah. prologue that we played. What about you? Yeah, no, you know, this was obviously originally going to come out um, back in October. Um, yeah. But they made the very, very wise decision, that, regardless <laughs> of anything else, to uh, avoid the month from hell, as yeah. it was. And, yeah, have, if it had gone up against Alan Wake 2, that would have been, I, it doesn't matter how good it was, I think it would have suffered for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it, and that game didn't exactly do gangbusters financially, but it still did all right. But, um, you know, and of course, it's been delayed again, unfortunately, to March. But. Mm -hmm. It's a shame because we could have been playing it this month. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> it's like, them's the breaks. Um, but that's fine if it gets them to do what they want to do. Um, it's weird things that uh, get me about this. I, as much as, you know, I really do like the whole Southern Gothic thing with this, you know, sort of really cultivating it from the original Alone in the Dark and just reimagining it. And, you know, the game's so old that it's easy to reimagine it now. You know, it's like, it's pre-Resident Evil, so that's uh, what you've got to do there. Um, the bar is low at the minute because you know, Alone, in the, Alone in the Dark Illumination was the last one when I think Atari owned it and literally Alone in the Dark game, in the not in the dark and co-op. <laughs> uh, really, yeah, it showed you can't get the point of your game any more right. than that. But I mean, hence why, you know, even here, what the stories are separate and apart when they are done. Um, but the idea of that sort of doom jazz soundtrack, I mean, again, mm. it's that the whole music thing again with, for me, where it's like, it's so weird that that was like the thing that stood out to me. It's like, hmm, doom jazz, that sounds cool. What's doom jazz? And it's, you know, it's along the lines of stuff like what David Lynch uses, you know, in, in some of the way. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this sounds good. And then the other thing was Mikhail Hedberg, you know, the writer of Summer and the uh, Amnesia series. And he's involved with this with Pieces Interactive. And that for me was like another big oh, okay, I like that. And you know, they're doing this very cosmic horror thing, that could be interesting. Like that, 
the only slight thing I'm troubled by is the, the use of like big name stars you know, to have that. I mean, it's good in theory, and with the, the deepest of respect and love to David Harbour, seeing him in anything it, it, these days seems to be like a touch of death. But um, <laughs> with the project, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's on, on the better side with that. Um, you know, Jodie Comer is Jodie Comer, so I think that could go well. It really does depend on how they sort of approach that. I think given that they are a smaller studio, given who's involved in the writing side of things, I think it will probably be one of the better uses of like celebrities in, in you know, acting world sort of celebrities in, in a video game setting. Especially as they are doing the full, you know, performance, voice, likeness, the whole kit and caboodle. So yeah, I, I, the fact that it is puzzle-based but also has action, you know, like that, I think it might go towards getting that balance back towards what we had. You know, like where Resident Evil is still starting to drift back into the action-heavy space again. And um, you know, the last two games. So something that kind of resets the bar maybe and has... A bit of both, a lot, probably more, because you know it's very investigative. It's very detective based. That itself is quite intriguing. I, I do hope that we are going to get a really like um, again. It isn't it's urgent when it needs to be, but gives you time to sort of soak in that atmosphere. Because oh, yeah, if that atmosphere works out and they get it looking as good as they have at times, then boy, yeah, it's going to be quite the mood piece. Yeah, you know, I think that my hope for this game at the very least is that it's going to be able to offer up a facet of survival horror perhaps that hasn't been as heavily leaned into by some of the other big studios not saying just you know silent hill and resident evil games but you know really carving its own identity or a new identity for alone in the dark for the modern age at the end of the day so it's the type of thing where i'm like well maybe if combat isn't the highlight of it hopefully that's able to sort of just again really refine an aspect of survival horror in a way that feels unique at the end of the day which then you know allows for the brand itself to grow in a way that it hasn't been for Mm. you know however many years it's been since the last one um which is my biggest hope for um alone in the dark and whatnot because like you said you know personally i've never even played an alone in the dark game so i have zero expectations and anytime i see a brand being revitalized and all of a sudden it's got a big name star, a big name stars attached to it. I'm kind of like from marketing standpoint, I understand why yeah. you would go in that direction, but that doesn't always make for a game that is going to, you know, achieve what it should. Uh, or, you know, perhaps maybe you could have gotten better performers than just some big name, but um, that's the type of thing where the verdict will be out until we actually get to play it. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said earlier, it's like, it's with no disrespect to David Harbour that sure. I said that you know, he has the cursed touch because I think he's a good actor. And I think yeah. the same with Jerry Comer. I think, in a way, they're kind of like the right people for the job in that regard if you are going to go that route. And like you said, the big thing is it's been a long time since this franchise has been And people's more modern memories of it are you know, Jim Sterling at the time you know, ripping it apart at the Alone in the Dark game and the movies by Yuval. <laughs> so, yeah, not the best sort of um, knowledge you want uh, of the games. So it's got a second chance. I think maybe having big name actors in there is just 
a way to sort of get people on the hook to go, oh, it's got them in it, like that, and um, maybe to sort of draw people in like that. It could be one of those that could be like, good for people who, you know, someone else with them who's like not as into games but likes to watch certain things. And, you know, if you have relatable actors in there, people they know, like, oh, yeah, it's that person from that TV show and that person from that TV show. Like that, it could get them on the hook to sort of get interested in what's going on. And like that, it's like the backdoor route to gaining interest, you know, that can work in your favour. It's, it's a niche way of doing it, but it needs all the help that it can get in that regard. You know, it's why it was wise to move away from October and you know, it's why I hope there's not another delay because they run the risk of Konami fucking dropping Silent Hill 2 yeah. out of nowhere on them. <laughs> you know, we haven't included it on the list here, by the way, but just because it's hard to know what to think when mm. that game's coming out. But all the same, you know, that could happen. And as the last thing you want, it's like you, you're getting to the last weeks of your game about to be released and then they drop the news that, oh, Silent Hill 2 is like out in April or something. You fucked. <laughs> yeah. Like even if your game comes out early, it's like attention has been taken away from you. Like that, the discourse will not be about Alone in the Dark. It will be about Silent Hill, Silent Hill, Silent Hill. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping to catch that break and everything goes smoothly. And this was, you know, the right move. And there's a lot to be positive about here. I think just everything about it doesn't scream, oh yeah, we're doing what that game did or that game did. It does feel like they are trying to be Alone in the Dark first and foremost in everything they're doing and probably being more sophisticated for it. Yeah, so I, I'm still very optimistic, despite what I've just said. I, I, <laughs> I really do feel like it, it has such great potential to be something I will cherish in this world of survival horror in the modern era, which is you know, kind of like that whole sort of Tomb Raider Uncharted thing. You know, like so you copied us and then we copied you and mm-hmm. this sort of thing. And yeah, hopefully it can do it and do it well. Yeah, and you know, hopefully that release date uh, doesn't change again, but we'll certainly be covering it uh, for the show once it does release. But why don't you tell us about Hollow Body? This is, of course, by Headware Games, uh, behind a game we covered before, Chasing Static, uh, which was a very interesting sort of adventure, sort of horror game. Um, this is like on a much higher level. You know, when we talk about Silent Hill game, you know, this is a game that is very much evoking that. You know, um, it's basically it's it's, yeah you are looking at a traditional sort of third person psychological survival horror game in that vein um it's set in britain which again is great uh long abandoned britain at that and just in this place full of uh, as they put it urban decay so everything is messed up and yeah so it is like the british sort of idea of silent hill in that regard where you have this you know but it's more naturally just like everything has got to this point and this is a real place that has you know got a horrid it's such a mysterious game despite what we've seen of it in that regard you know despite this you know very obvious like callbacks to what it's referencing in in that game just like that very moody sort of gloomy british vibe that's going on with it for me it's just something that's quite nice to see not many games do it, you know, and get away with it. You know, when I've seen approximations of like Britain in games, they tend to be London. Um, like, and I think of like Ubisoft Zombie, which had like that uh, sort of thing, and or you know, just yeah, 
it's just odd ones that don't feel like they do feel like a, a theme park version of like like Britain. This, you know, from what I've seen, just in the way the houses are, especially, just instantly say, oh yeah, this is someone doing it because that's what they grew up with, that's what they know, and instantly, oh okay, I can dig that as a vibe, yeah, you know, and something that really gets me, you know, like that. It's just uh, that's all I need sometimes, just the atmosphere, and the rest will follow for me. And I have pretty good, com- yeah, you know, high confidence in in the developer after what we got with Chasing Static, which showed so much promise and so interesting. You know, and this is a really big game by comparison. In much the same way that we were just talking about, you know, Elation for the Wonderbox Six Thousand. It's like a jump. Yeah, you, you can tell. I mean, here is a really noticeable jump from what they did with Chasing Static. And it, in many ways, from like even the feature list, it is going to be something that's trying to be on par with like the modern stuff we get, but sort of evoking the more classical ideas. And much like we're saying, you know, it's great Alone in the Dark is trying to be Alone in the Dark. Here's a game that is trying to go back to that middle ground of like, oh, we kind of want to go that PS2 era. And we've talked about this a lot on like Horror Bites and even with indie games um, in general, they are starting to get to a point now where they are putting out refined versions of stuff that that everyone loved in that PS2 era. And that's like the next big jump. That's the exciting thing. We've had the sort of PS1 revival, which is, and that was so fruitful and has done so many good things and will continue to do great things. But now, we're getting games like this that just you just look at it and go, oh, this could be something <laughs> big. This could be like a really big indie hit, you know, yeah. And but not just because it's indie, but just something that feels like it will transcend and be like something that horror fans are going, oh yeah, this is like on par with that game, you know, that series or that series, and that that is the promise of it. You know, I hope we get there. I really do hope we get there. Yeah, you know, I guess from uh, an Americans Americans point of view, um, I like I agree with what you're saying about how they're not going for the traditional depiction of England, right? We're not uh, hanging around the big landmarks and whatnot. If anything, I'm looking at the screenshots on uh, Steam. If anything, it looks more in line with like Attack the Block almost, where it's like, hey, we're going to look at other neighborhoods outside of the tourist locales, which, if anything, you know, is probably a more realistic ideal of like what people uh you know where people live right not everybody lives in the tourist hub or the main city hub of london and so getting to investigate environments that maybe feel a bit more lived in not only from their architectural standpoint but from what it seems in this again screenshots i'm looking at um the amount of detail that are in these environments despite the fact that with like going from chasing static which was first person highly detailed environments going over the shoulder third person it doesn't seem like there's been any sort of degradation of the um, detail within these environments and whatnot. And the fact that this game makes a note to say that it is a technoir survival horror short story that's set in a near future, I like because the setting the the setting itself doesn't look Blade Runner esque, but at the same time, no. the ways in which this creative can play around with the near future, they can have technologies that don't really exist but would exist within the context of this story. I think yes. does a good job to sort of embed the player into this world, present something that feels a little more lived in or grounded, but then of course having these supernatural things happening um, has some interesting avenues for storytelling. And I think that 
you know, as you said, there's a a real rigor, I think, to this developer headwear games and just seeing like the amount of confidence that I'm seeing with sort of hollow body, which, you know, we still don't have a definite release date, but it seems like a project that feels like it's building off of what they learned from something like Chasing Static, which is, um, you know, haunting type stories, but now we're getting facets of combat. I remember the puzzles in Chasing Static standing out because they dealt with this near future technology. And so seeing the ways in which they can continue that trend with the puzzles, but, you know, hopefully also with the narrative, that being a tech noir story um, is something really exciting to see how they can run with that. Um, and as it says here, fully voice acted, multiple endings, um, and an emphasis on strong world building. Um, yeah, this is one that I think uh, I didn't have on my list, but at the same time, it was one that uh, just barely made the uh, <laughs> the sort of uh, runnings, I suppose. Yeah, and you know, it was down to that thinking. Some of these were like, oh, is it going to come out this year? And you know, again, some games we sort of made the judgment, oh, probably not. And if it does, great. But and then other things sort of come around it. We go, well, will it? Is it really anticipated in that way, or are we kind of dreading what's going to happen around it? Uh, Silent Hill Two being a great example, I think, of where you know, excited, yes. Um, dreading the discourse yes as well you know it's going to be a horrible time for that game or it is hence why i said you don't want to be coming out anywhere near a horror <laughs> game <laughs> because where it's good bad or indifferent you're going to get caught in that maelstrom yeah but yeah this if it comes out this year fantastic that's uh, um just again tapping into a certain kind of nostalgia but making something fresh and exciting is always just the best way to go about things with with these sort of projects and yeah I, I like you i like that it does add this sort of futuristic edge to a very dreary and dilapidated version of britain that's probably not too far off to be honest dystopia so, <laughs> <yeah, so laughs> it is almost here um yeah so that, that is hollow body what well, we got next going from games that are evoking you know early 2000s Survival Horror is going to be our next game, which is 10 Dead Doves from Duonic mm. Studios, who we were uh, fortunate enough to interview the developers last year for Horror Bites. Uh, so if anybody's missed that, you should uh, go try to find that episode. And, you know, we really picked those guys' brains about their very unique brand of being a homage to survival horror, but still feeling like it is a modernizing and sort of the developer sensibilities, if you will, or the writing yeah. or the humor. Um, you know, we'd chatted about plenty of, you know, fixed perspective survival horror games, but really for us, the reason why 10 Dead Doves stood out so much was because of the fact that it has very personable, I think, characters and dialogue and a very short demo. It was able to build a real connection with those characters, a real connection to that unique setting of the Appalachian Trail, formulating, you know, real lore about the Appalachian Trail with this fictitious more horror-centric lore that they have imparted upon the trail. And then at the same time, the game has this real surreal dreamscape that it jumps between. And you have these sections where clearly it's the player in a dream world, but then seeing the ways in which that dream world starts to bleed into the different characters' reality in their current predicament of tra traipsing through the woods. There might be a serial killer on the loose. Oh, there's this weird facility. And again, talking about developers that in a short amount of time are able to 
create a world that you are only in for a short period of time, but you can envision, you know, how that world might expand. But at the same time, having no real idea because of, you know, how sporadically this game can jump around between the familiar to something that is clearly derived from just the creative's own influences and the types of stories they want to tell. Um, And the sort of, whether that be humor laced or just, you know, characters that perhaps are, you know, championing, the developer's own feelings about, you know, this sort of uh, hiking aspect to the game, or at the same time, just, you know, where certain characters are at in their life and when you kind of meet them. Um, So yeah, this was one of those games that I think, you know, we talked earlier about games that feel familiar on paper perhaps, but I think that anybody that's played the 10 Dead Doves demo uh, very quickly, this is a game that kind of will grab you for more reasons than one. And it's one that we really can't wait to just see, you know, how it expands on those concepts introduced in that demo. Yeah, I mean, this game, you know, disclaimer has its hooks in us quite well in, in several regards. Yeah, backed the Kickstarter, obviously, for mm-hmm. the game. Yep. Before it came out, um, both of us are quoted on the Steam page, I might add. Oh, um, yep. Because <laughs> uh, you, when you did the post uh, episode mm-hmm. on it, Earth by Disgusting, and me at JXP, we on that but again that just speaks to the fact that we fucking love it yeah uh, what we played of it and we're really into the ideas behind it you know i wrote a whole ass article on it just because of the vibe of it and and i really have the same vibe a lot but god i do love the vibes today um <laughs> and you know, yeah the same things we're talking there with the hollow body where it's like yeah it's delivering that, that era that next era of survival horror but in a way that is new and refreshing. And this was like really something wild, even from the early going in terms of like just the way the dialogue goes. It's like, mm. it's like survival horror oxen free almost in terms of yeah. like, yeah, you know, obviously not the same kind of fluidity, but I think the interpersonal relationships that are there make it, the dialogue feel so natural and so charming in this goofy oddball way. And uh, yeah, I just think we're going to be in for something really quite weird and wonderful once the full game comes out and yeah i it's yeah it's here on merit absolutely because you know i think it's rare that i'd look at things like this and go yeah i'll back that and specifically there's so many horror games that come out like that but this was just like yeah i evangelize it to that point you know it's why we had them on it's why we've done all that it is just done so highly anticipated for us and of course that does bring unfortunate caveats of like oh shit i hope it's as good as we hope it is but you know (laughs) i I think you know we've played so many indie games um in recent years where it's like we understand the um ways that something there are going to be shortcomings and strengths that you don't get in higher spaces And, and we're here for that in that regard because you get those strengths and you get those refreshing interesting and inventive ideas that just aren't happening that often at the high end of the table yeah and you know i think that as as strongly as we've been championing this game it's because of how strong that demo was right and as you said we've played a number of whether they be survival horror or otherwise these types of games that are trying to evoke a style that is older but at the same time they have this breadth of freshness that comes with those interpersonal characters and dialogues and relationships and whatnot. Um, this is one that I think, I don't even think I finished the demo before I went and kickstarted and then dove right back into it because you see so much promise so early on. 
Um, and it's doing so many different things stylistically, again, in that 20, 30 minute, whatever demo, um, that you can begin to envision how what is being displayed in that demo could be expanded into more aspects of the greater story, whether it's narratively speaking, puzzles, or just again, you know, more of the exposure to those characters and how those relationships will either, uh, you know, flourish or uh, <laughs> struggle under the pressure of whatever supernatural stuff is going on. But yeah, we're very excited to see if that ends up uh, coming into fruition in 2024. But if not, we'll certainly be uh, diving into that when we finally get it. But that brings us to our final game to chat about this week, which is Still Wakes the Deep from developer of the Chinese Room, uh, which is a game that was displayed um, at, I believe it was the Xbox Showcase. It kind of just suddenly popped up and immediately you know, grabbed both of us because of the fact that it is aquatic horror taking place on an oil rig. Um, and it's set during the Christmas of 1975 after a disaster on the oil rig off the Scottish mainland. And the player has to struggle to survive amid a scene on the edge of all logic and reality. Um, so that subgenre bias aside of ours, um, for me personally, you know, I'm a big fan of the Chinese room. Uh, Dear Esther is a game that I enjoyed. And then everybody's gone to the raptures, a game that I loved. Um, and while I didn't play a machine for pigs or their most recent game, which was like a mobile spaceman action game or something, not really what that studio is typically known for. Um, I think that, you know, this is a studio that really does understand how to tell interactive adventure games in a manner that um, is quite refined from both a writing standpoint, environment building standpoint, and an environment that, you know, tells its store half of its stories. Um, and then also just their ability to get really quality voice actors that feel native to the location with which their stories are playing out within. Um, and Still Wakes the Deep is a game that, you know, from what I've seen of it, seems to be a continuation of that with a setting that is probably, again, a setting that is made in a lab based on my specific interests, uh, even more mm -hmm. so than something like uh, Everybody's Gone, So the Rapture. Um, but before we get, you know, there's not a great deal to unpack from what is out there about this game. But I guess for you, like, what are your hopes for Still Wakes the Deep? Well, you know, I think given the reputation for storytelling anyway, that's great. But I think the promise of it, like, being this fully realized oil rig was the, another thing where it's like, ooh, like, um, it's the same thing that made Amnesia the Bunker so intriguing. It's like, here we are, we're sitting in one place, but that one place is going to have all sorts to make this work and make it, I mean, a different kind of game in that regard, but it really is going to do something special with that, I think. Um, the cosmic horror nature of it, that's clearly at the heart of it already. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm there for that. Um, yeah, being on structure at sea, it's just like a sweet spot for me. It's like, it's like dangling on the edge of terror, you know, the, as you know, it's like, you know, an oil rig is supposed to be fairly, safe in terms of like being a structure in the ocean and here it is you know this game being torn apart and you're trying to escape it so that's yeah i love that as a dynamic you know in terms of like aquatic horror um also it seems like there'll be like a choice kind of system kind of like quite smoothly integrated in terms of like how you get to people and help them survive or not survive um from what you do again i like that when it's done in games um where it's not like made out to be like this big devastating, oh, this person will die or, or this person will die sort of thing. Just a, depending on what you do and what you have time for, blah, blah, blah. 
That's like, that that would be really cool. You know, given what they've done on those games from a storytelling and presentation route, I think that just with the setting, what it is, the time period, something about it is just beautiful. You know, like that. Um, and there's just still so much mystery about it, despite mm. the, what they've shown. I feel like you know we are on tip of the iceberg stuff with this one. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how they're going to be able to, I suppose, progress what they had already done in two other story-based games from either a gameplay standpoint or narrative standpoint, right? I want to see how they're going to evolve on what they're already so good at. And from what we've seen of this game, you know, it seems as if it's got really, you know, it looks fantastic. But more importantly, the sound design, um, both the voice acting, but also the general sound design. Uh, there's a clip online where, you know, you're kind of like traversing this very shaky bridge that's underneath uh, the main structure of the oil rig. And you kind of see this sort of cosmic nature of what's uh, enraptured the station. But then also once you're inside the interior of the oil rig and whatnot, hearing the screams of other people or of other beings that are on there and whatnot, and the kind of sloshing of water that reminds you that you're ever only a moment away from drowning. Uh, that all was really promising from what we've seen so far. But yeah, again, more importantly, I'm ex I'm excited to see how they play around with player choice, but also if there's just some extra element to this game and how they choose to tell these adventure stories within these worlds. Um, not to say like they need to adopt combat or anything like that, but I think more importantly, yeah. you know, the ways in which you traverse puzzles, but also I think how you manage who you're going to save and who you're not and how that can benefit players in a way that entices them to go back and want to redo those sections perhaps, or just justify that choice system at all within the game. Um, I think that'll be really telling and kind of how far the Chinese room has come. Also the fact that, you know, in between, I believe it was in between everybody comes to the rapture, they had that uh, amnesia spinoff and that again, action game that they made hmm. and just seeing what they've learned from those projects, you know, granted machine for pigs, I don't think was as well received, but, and that action game, I don't know anything about really. Um, but I think every project is a learning step for a studio and to see, you know, how perhaps those could have influenced their development style or if it made them really focus and double down on what made Dear Esther and everybody's gone to the rapture uh, such standout games and just doubling down on what already made those strong and just seeing them do that within the setting of Aquatic Horror, I think is incredibly exciting. Yeah. I suppose the only reason to look at this and go, it's not coming out this year is the fact that they're, they've taken over development on Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines too, And that is due to come out this year still. Um, and they seem to, if they've been working on that, on the, but they've been making both these things in tandem, you know, as much as we've only recently known about them making that game. Uh, they, they have been at both for a while. So, you know, it's possible. Um, as I said, no release date yet for this. And that's because it's theirs mainly and it's on a smaller scale compared to yeah, Vampire the Masquerade, which is, has expectations on it. Um, I mean, Christ, if they pull that off in the same year, yeah. Yeah, making that game good. And this, yeah, that that, that is um, a very good year for the Chinese room. Mm. Yeah, like that. And given, as you said, in recent years, the output has been a bit like frowned upon compared to Dear Esther, where, you know, everybody's gone to Rapture, got a lot of praise for a lot of things. We also got grumbled at for a lot of things. Um, the pace, literally, uh, the pacing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, that, and yeah, a machine for pigs, which I think is an interesting 
addition to the Unleashed Universe. But again, I, I think they did it their own way. And ironically, I think they're actually, with this, going back to the kind of amnesia story and structure that um, you know, Friction and Worth moved away from with, with uh, the most recent games. So that would be interesting. To uh, And you know, people are hyping this up. So that's good. Uh, that shows um, you know, it's got potential. Certainly, ironically, more hype than uh, Friction probably got for Amnesia the Bunker. Yeah. You know, where it was, which has become a nice hot favourite in its own right. But hey, that's good. I mean, it'd be good to see Chinese Room do horror again and succeed at it in a more sort of universally acclaimed way like that and uh, prove that they had the chops after all. You know, and all along, I should say, not after all. I think they always had the horror chops in that regard. So, yeah. And, you know, they've got that big challenge this year with that and Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines too. So, yeah. Big year. Big year. I think we've certainly gotten to the bottom of that. That is going to be a huge year for games. And while, you know, even if some of the games on our list today weren't necessarily things that are definitely going to be released by the end of this year, at the same time, there are games that we're looking forward to. And, you know, it's not this year, it'll be next year. And if anything, uh, we've hopefully put some of these on people's radar that they hadn't heard of, and especially the creatives behind them, because, uh, you know, a majority of the games that we've mentioned, the developers we've mentioned already have games out previously um, that are well worth people's time. Things like Chasing Static, uh, Go Fly a Kite and whatnot. And I think that, you know, in the meantime, people should definitely check out past games from developers we've mentioned and keeping an eye open for uh, you know when these games release and whatnot. Um, but speaking of games we'll be covering later this year or later this month, more specifically, we'll be covering Banshee Knights from LCB Games, and they are continuing their Pixel Pulps series of these text adventure games that play around in different time periods. The past ones dealt with uh, Cryptid, Vampire. This time it's going to be Occult, um, and I've been playing that recently and really, really enjoying that. So I can't wait to dive into that and many more games with you this year, Neil. But uh, for mm. the first time this year, and certainly not the last, uh, it is a pleasure as always chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Back at you. Uh, until the next time in this wonderful year. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. As always, our main episodes for Safe Room drop every Monday, but our bite-sized episodes of Horror Bites, our indie horror showcase, drop every Thursday. Follow Horror Bites Twitter account at HorrorBytes underscore SR. You can also join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. And finally, you can send emails to saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we have or are going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.